0: This podcast is brought to you by the ATMS, the Australian Traditional Medicine Society. This is FX Medicine, I'm Andrew Whitfield-Cook. Joining us on the line today is Nick Barbousis. Nick's a soft tissue therapist with more than 25 years experience in muscular therapy practice. His ongoing passion for his work stems from his training in rolfing, structural integration and myofascial release, and his commitment to working with posture, correction and movement education. His particular expertise explores the relationship between our own physical environments and its impact on posture and movement. While organising and directing his own privately run mentoring hub and professional courses, Nick has overseen the development of myofascial release programs within industry institutions. He was also the inaugural convener and co-developer of the Myofascial Release Program within the Bachelor and Master's Degrees of Osteopathy at Western Sydney University. Nick will be conducting a webinar and subsequent seminar series from the 13th of June 2018. Welcome warmly to FX Medicine, Nick Babousas. How are you?
1: I'm very well, thank you, Andrew, and yourself?
0: Good, thanks, mate. Now, first of all, though, I feel quite ignorant about rolfing. I've heard of it. I sort of think I get it. But I'm not sure. Can you can you clarify what exactly is rolfing and myofascial release, please? Right, great,
1: great. Um, and you know, I, I think you know. Sometimes, as practitioners, we also struggle with trying to understand it ourselves because um, it is slightly different for for all, for each of us. But what is at the base, where what's at the heart of it, is understanding our relationship with our posture, understanding our relationship with our environment and and how we are best able to work with those. Um, Our work is heavily governed by a series of principles and practices that are structured around a series of sessions. Um, Every session has a particular goal, a particular theme and within each session we work towards achieving those goals with one session leading into the next and the next session sort of finishing up and beginning from the last and and progressing on to the next again. Um, The work has been around for quite a while. Um, Dr Rolf, the founder of the work, who herself was a scientist and biochemist, started exploring some of these ideas around posture, and, and alignment when she was dealing with issues within her own family um, and a lot of her influence came from the early osteopaths. Um, if you think back to the 1920s, which was when she was really exploring this work, uh, osteopathy itself was only probably 20, 30 years old. So there was a real excitement about this whole notion of of working with posture and, and understanding the human body from a Whole body approach. So this principle of holism really comes to the fore for for a Rolfer, as well as it does for other disciplines like osteopathy, Um, and that's where structural integration really became the underpinning underpinning nature of or or discussion that that Dr. Rolfe brought to to her body of work as well. This notion that we do need to work with the whole person to integrate it to have a more lasting. Um, long-term change.
0: How would you dif- uh, differentiate it though from other a soft tissue therapies and b the more hard tissue therapies like you know uh, chiropractic and things like that?
1: Sure. Um Really good question. Uh, you know there is there is a, a, an overlap between rolfing and say massage therapy, deep tissue massage therapy, um, and and even some of the other harder tissues uh, therapy approaches. And so one of the misunderstandings is, I suppose, because there is that overlap and and as a byproduct of rolfing, some of those same goals are achieved, people think, well, it's all one and the same, just like myofascial release is all one and the same. But, you know, for for a role for the notion of, of the soft tissue work is only a part of it because what differentiates our body of work is that we really look, even though we're working potentially always with our hands, we're always looking at the greater understanding of the our relationship of the segment to a whole, and now improve and improving the relationship of our se- our segments to the whole. So, creating a sense of, of a physical balance, and and really that balance is where that notion of integration comes in again for us as Rolfers. So, you know, a, a soft tissue therapist um, like a Rolfer will will palpate. We'll we'll just try and feel for the imbalances within the tissue and the quality of the tissue, even the temperature of the tissue at times. Um, a soft tissue therapist, like a Rolfer, will discriminate between, say, fascial layers, because you know myofascial release and fascia is where we come from. Yeah. And so, just like most other soft tissue therapists, like myotherapy, for example, has a strong Background discussion around um, fascial release work and using the trigger point therapy process as a means of addressing their goals. But where we do differ is that notion that for us it's about how we put it all together to create an integrated
0: whole. And what led you to follow this field as a career path?
1: Um, look, it was I've always had a, a lifelong interest in um, the the body and human movement. I think moving out of my teens into my early twenties, I was a Strong um, had a strong interest in yoga as a as a form of just understanding my own um, understanding of my body. I mm-hmm. suppose if nothing else and then getting well, and in that I came across. I was really fortunate to have met a couple of the early teachers. As I mentioned, biotherapy before, but some of the early teachers of biotherapy in the in the late 80s, early 90s, and one in particular really heavily heavily influenced my. I suppose, desire to, to, to formulate and, and understand how to work with a body and create change. And, you know, the notion of the discussion of fascia, which was really uncommon and not really spoken of highly, And in those days, it was very fringe as well. Um, every time I, I did some research, the, the name Dr. Ida Rolf always came to the front. And so from there, I started reading her work, uh, some of the papers she'd written, and, um I was fortunate enough to have met a rolfer who, because for the, there weren't many around and there still aren't many of us around, but there were fewer then,
0: mm. and had
1: some work with him. And I just fell in love with it. And I literally sold everything I owned and moved to the States for two years to study it.
0: Wow. That's dedication.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, when you're young, you sort of do these sort of things that you don't reflect on too much.
0: Yeah. It, it really interests me about this sort of body alignment, how the, you know, physio, chiro, osteo, myofascial release massage therapy they all have to do with alignment but there's different ways of approaching it is there anything that sort of integrates all of it
1: that's a really good question uh rolfing is the integration of structure so
0: um
1: and posture and a lot of I, i don't want to sound controversial by saying this but a lot of a lot of processes and it's becoming more, the advent of social media has made this a, a really, the, the platform is there now for people to say, this is what someone looked like before they saw me. This is what they look like now after they see me. But what we've gotten, what we have is a snapshot, a moment in time. Hmm. We don't really have a process that's, that's underpinned that. And so, there's this, so there is a sense that people are trying to make change by working with this notion of alignment, but there isn't a systematic process that works to uncover restrictions and patterns of where there is disinformation occurring in the body and then trying to take that out, but also at the same time put something better in its place. And rolfing at its heart is all about that. Taking out, but with the notion that you aren't putting something back in that will better suit and bring someone to a more, um, a more aligned centre themselves um, over, and it's usually over a series of sessions. Yeah. So the process itself, there is no um, one size fits all as well. And because the work is heavily principle based, you're able then to take someone and and really filter out what is the unique characteristics that uh, you know for the person in front of me. And so you are able then to have five people in an afternoon and treating one after the other, even doing exactly the same session within the process, and yet every client's experience will be very different And even the strategies you employ within that session potentially can be different as well.
0: There's a couple of points I just picked up on, and one is that you can't get benefit from just one session. I found this myself with massage. You know, people Mm. say I'll go for a massage, and all of my problems will melt away. (laughs) You know, like for instance, I remember um, uh, recommending massage, like good, some finding a good massage therapist for somebody who had shoulders like rock. And they'd carried so much stress throughout their life. And this massage therapist worked on them, not once, not twice, but several times. And over a period of a couple of weeks, the the tissues were loosening and, and then the person's demeanour started to brighten. And, and it was really interesting, the changes that you can see with a person from repeated sessions, but you just can't get it from one session. It's, it just doesn't work like that.
1: Absolutely. Um, you know, something I've I've seen consistently over um, over a long period of time is that there is a real need for people to to know that they have a responsibility for their own care, and that um, putting a responsibility on your therapist is is part of the relationship, but also being conscious and aware that it is an unfolding and unpacking process, and quite often people's um, Story that they bring into the treatment room and onto the table has occurred over a long period of time. And as a consequence, you know, your therapist has to work with you in a way where he can help you unpack that story, but also be comfortable in the knowledge that the client appreciates the fact that it's not always possible to achieve those kind of outcomes in a very short period of time.
0: Yeah. So what sort of conditions do you tend to concentrate on with rolfing?
1: So people come from a whole range of um, backgrounds um, and a whole range of needs and issues. They can come anywhere. Obviously, uh, pain is a catalyst for a lot of people to seek out our work quite often because um, firstly, you know, we're um we're a smaller community of practitioners. We don't have the exposure in Australia especially. Um, so people so the, the information and the education of what we do is probably not as great. So more more often than not, people that have come to or who do come to to seek out structural integration of, of rolfing uh, have already sought treatment or assistance from elsewhere. So as a therapist as a as a Rolfer, we're nearly always very comfortable with working with people who have come in with quite a chronic pain patterns, people who have sought help elsewhere and, and really not been able to find the assistance that they've um, that they've needed it, um, Quite often it's not in the area where they've they've thought the pain is as well so and that's a, a real big part of what a rolfer does is because we're looking at patterns. We're not just looking at where the site of discomfort is. You know, a very famous and old quote that Dr. Rolfe has where you think it is, it ain't. You know, so for, for, for a Rolfe, quite often you you may be experiencing an issue in your shoulder, but there may be a complete imbalance within your ribcage relative to your shoulder girdle and then your shoulder girdle relative to your neck. And that whole pattern, even if I could go even further and say the imbalance in your pelvis could be creating a Instability for your rib cage. So all these patterns are what we take into consideration when we when someone comes in to see us. So to go back to your original question, with the kind of people that would come to us, the chronic pain is a is a is a is a large part of um, the population. We also see a lot of people who are uh, a lot of athletes, a lot of people who. Uh, performance-based in their um, – whether it's pr- through their vocation because they're athletes professionally, whether they're um, people who have a really – a real strong um, desire to keep themselves well and, as a consequence, they, they tr- exercise and train three to four times a week. These people often come to Rolfing because they appreciate the fact that the work itself itself helps them to maintain and keep on doing what they want to keep doing, and, which is to have a certain lifestyle choice i
0: suppose so do you get referrals from other practitioners to say look i can do this but that's uh, you know physical therapies and rolfing is not my bag can you look after this aspect of care
1: i can only speak on behalf of myself and the people that i know around me who are rolfers but um rolfers i get a lot of work from other um soft tissue therapists mm. um and other uh, and certain medical practitioners um and sometimes within certain specialized fields um It's, yeah, so a lot of, I'd say about 30 to 40% of my practice is through referrals from other therapists themselves. Um, Quite often we find there is a strong symbiotic relationship with people that work within the more movement-based therapies, whether it is yoga, Pilates, um, exercise physiology. And so there is a very close working relationship with those disciplines that, and I've seen it year in year out when when you put movement and when you put structural work together you create a happier healthier person and so it just it, so and there is a natural Gravity, um, magnetic pull towards each other, I to one of a better way of explaining it, yeah. between the two therapies or the two areas.
0: Nick, obviously something we need to cover is safety. Um, I've had, an, indeed, a, a friend of my wife's who eventually died, but the, the recurrence of her cancer was found actually by a physical therapist um, massaging her neck and felt a lump, and that was the recurrence from there. So obviously we have to think about safety. So how well trained are Rolfers in detecting, you know, lumps, bumps and things that we need to refer on? And how much of a safety issue is the actual process of rolfing?
1: Very good question, Andrew. Um, Look, like all soft tissue therapies, um, um, firstly, you know, that old maxim, when in doubt, go without. Um, So as far as the, you know, if we don't understand what's occurring, it's always best when you find something to refer out to a uh, a medical practitioner who is more better suited to to um, understand and, and care for that particular need and issue, but we all are governed by the same notion that um, our clients' care and well being is at the forefront, and it, we, as therapists, as Rolfers, like all other soft tissue therapists, really take that responsibility quite seriously. Um, you'll find most people who enter this profession. Do it because they have a, a, a sincere care and desire to want to be a, a helper, for want of a better word. Yeah. Um, and um, but also we're, in our training, we 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 sort of looked at we look at how we can um, really um, assess for these kind of issues as well. So you know, the basic contraindications that all soft tissue therapists would have to be aware of are the same for us as well. Um, you know and as a consequence we do often refer out um, when we are not really sure of where to go with uh the situation and it's, it's it's a healthy and safe environment for everyone as well
0: can i first clear up one issue with me and that is have i got a confusion here between Rolfing and myofascial release are they part of the same or are they different
1: um, really good question and it's 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 there is a real misunderstanding out there regarding um, there's an overlap. So, when someone trains in myofascial relief, they often think they're rolfers or well, they're doing rolfing. And I see it a lot um, in on blog posts. I hear it a lot from other clients who have said they've been to another rolfer. But uh, myofascial relief is a very powerful technique um, to address local myofascial dysfunction. Rolfing is a process that looks at the whole with a principle based process. And myofascial release works within that as the tool to facilitate the process. So it is a tool within a rolfer's toolbox. Gotcha. But it's a very powerful tool. But it is it is very, it is very not rolfing itself.
0: Right. Am I correct in saying myofascial release is you know releasing the trigger point? So there is very often some pain involved, whereas rolfing is not, and so it's a much more gentle process. Is that right?
1: Well, so there. Is, so, trigger point therapy is a process unto itself. Uh.
0: Um,
1: myofascial release, so so releasing a fascia or myofascia at a trigger point is a technique of its own. The myofascial release that a lot of practitioners are employing now is is a very different approach, where you're applying soft, sustained pressure along a myofascial um, line or restriction. Uh, So you mentioned also, is it softer? Now, that depends on where the restriction is, um, the level of um, uh, tension in that local area, and the the ability for the practitioner to palpate and discriminate the fascial layers um, when she or he is working down to the point of restriction. And it's at that point where the art and the science of the work Start to really merge a little bit, because you do have to work with a discriminatory touch to really affect change at a at a pace that the client can actually take and their nervous system can take, which is really important. Because mm. if you can't keep them at that at that pace, then the chances are very high that their system will shut down a little and you won't be able to get the most out of the experience.
0: Uh, It's interesting you say that because what, what does interest me about various physical therapists that I've seen and had work done by over the years is that some you find have just this... I mean, it's not a knack, it's more than a knack, it's a gift. I mean, they just, it's almost like they can feel the sinews of the muscle underneath the skin and the flow of the muscle fibers and the myofibrils, you know, if you wanted to go down that far. Very often that can be a drain on the, on the therapist physically, the wrists and the arms and the actual amount of work that you do leaning, bending over a patient all day. That can become quite draining. So, how do you look after yourself physically?
1: Um, that was a process over many years to really unpack um, the best way forward with that question, um, and it is a it is a question that every therapist, every soft tissue therapist, has to, has to really come to terms with with at some point in their career, and earlier the better, because. You know, the attrition rate and the burnout rate for soft tissue therapists is very very high and the, right. the, the numbers are staggering actually um, and it, it is a, a being aware and I mentioned earlier that you know we enter into the profession because we want to help um, unfortunately unless we consciously start to think about helping ourselves we 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 won't be able to maximize the capacity for us to really make any change for someone else mm. um, I personally, had some challenges early on because it was all about the work and it was just getting in there and the sessions were long and all I wanted to do was just be over that table. But, you know, living in flexion like that over a table day in, day out Ugh. has an impact. And when you're a young lad, you can do it. And, you and, you know, I was a very active person as well. So I felt strong and, you know, I felt, you know, like Superman in a way. But unfortunately there is a real, you know, you're, you're constantly emptying, emptying that tank. So, um, I came to a point where I had to really realise there was a cap to the number of people I was willing to to work with. Mm. Um, I had to, you know, you have to become aware that you have to take time away from the work. So, you know, where you're, you know, recharging your own battery. Yeah. And it usually means that, you know, you take a week off. And it's also, um, um, a, a, a also where you're, if you're not feeling well, then maybe it's you, and you're at that point where things – you're really unwell and you can't even feel like you want to go into work. And that's the that's the point where you say, I've got to close my book for a day or two and I've got to take stock again. Yeah. Um, and as, as difficult as it is where you've got to cancel people, uh, I can think of at least three, four times in 25 years where I, I've had to do that, yeah. mainly early on. But it is important to really – start to understand your own needs as much as the needs of your clients and I, I know it's a no-brainer to say it but it's a lot harder for people to actually act on it
0: oh, so well And there's, said. theres
1: a discipline that's involved <laughs> that i think takes a long time to really come to terms with um and i think you know all the other things like nutrition um, exercise um, rest um, family time private time you know time for your to, to feed your spirit as well, hmm. you know, and not in a metaphysical sense, but just, you know, restorative sense.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now, Nick, you'll be talking at the Australian Traditional Medicine Society, that's the ATMS. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll be doing a – is it a webinar or a seminar?
1: So there'll be a webinar coming up in June. Um, there'll be a series of workshops also in the later part of the year. Uh-huh. In a few of the
0: states. Yep. What will you be teaching without giving too much away? What will you be teaching at your seminars and webinars?
1: The webinar itself is just a, um, a discussion around the basic principles of the subjective process of posture screening. See, uh, what, what is the backbone for a role for is our ability to assess the posture and then work within our model to. Affect and facilitate change to that posture to create more of an aligned um, person, and in that alignment, there is more ease of movement, quality of movement, even that sense of well-being can t- at times um, come from that as well. So the webinar is a real, is just an introduction. It's a it's a taste of of what's involved in working with a whole body myofascial release um, approach to soft tissue therapy. Um, we'll, un- we'll look at some of the areas that um, challenge a lot of therapists in the subjective part of the um, um, assessment process as well.
0: So, Nick, where can practitioners, if they're interested in learning more about rolfing, where can they find out more resources and indeed look at learning how to rolf?
1: Oh, great question. Um, so the first place, I suppose, is um, the website over in the US, which is where the um, governing school is, which is rolf.org. Uh, we have a local page here, which is rolfing.org.au, yeah. which has a, it also has a list of practitioners within Australia and actually some in Southeast Asia as well, and um, it gives you a bit of a background about the work. And um, But the main website, rolf.org.au, is probably the best way to go. It's quite comprehensive.
0: And what about people who wish to register for your event with ATMS? Where can they learn more about? Where can they register?
1: Uh, Registering is via uh, atms.com.au. Just scroll down to events. And if you search for my name, Nicholas Barbousas, I'll spell the surname, (laughs) uh, B-A-R-B-O-U-S-A-S. If they follow that process, they should be able to find um, the webinar.
0: Fantastic. Nick, um, I think this is going to be enlightening for a lot of people. You've really opened up what rolfing is to me and clarified some discrepancies that I thought it was that it's not. So thanks for clearing up those and taking us through what rolfing is and what it can do for patients, um, not just in pain, but also helping with their alignment. Thanks so much for joining us on FX Medicine Today.
1: Thank you, Andrew. It's been a real pleasure and I appreciate the time to uh, discuss something that's really important to me and to a lot of other people out there. Thank you.
0: Well done. This is FX Medicine. I'm Andrew Whitfield-Cook. If you enjoyed today's podcast, you can find more Industry Insights podcasts and resources under the Community tab on the FX Medicine website.